Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the Top 250 Podcast. I'm Sam Kane, and the movie we're doing today is Schindler's List. Yep. Today my guest is someone that I've known for 20 years now, Omri Bernstein. Hey. Hey, everybody. This is pretty crazy, but this came out the same year as Jurassic Park did, 1993. Steven Spielberg did both movies in the span of a year so wow yeah i didn't know that it's insane that he was editing jurassic park while he was filming this movie this this is based off a book it's called schindler's ark came out in the 80s for years steven spielberg said he wanted to do it and he got cold feet a couple times he offered it to other directors like Sidney pollack Roman Polanski, who would later go on to do another Holocaust movie, The Pianist. He finally gave it to Martin Scorsese, and Martin Scorsese was ready to do the movie. And at the last minute, Spielberg had an epiphany, and he just wanted to do the movie. And not too surprisingly, he didn't do a movie for about three to four years after he did these two. So the movie takes place from 1939 to 1945. But, I mean, if they weren't giving the dates, I wouldn't have even realized that the movie was taking place over the course of years. And one of the first things I noticed as the movie started, as we see Schindler in this nightclub, I'm just like, really? This is our protagonist? He's, he's <laughs> yeah. A, you know, he's a complete womanizer. I feel like... It could have been the opening scene to, like, a Bond film, you know? The way, like, Oscar Schindler was being introduced was very, like, James Bond-esque. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, it was a really interesting opening. Yeah, so... Schindler, he was just... He was just a guy who saw an opportunity. The war was his opportunity. He built a bankrupt company and was something successful. And it was kind of like a win-win situation. For everyone involved, that's the way he saw it. He would make money getting these Jewish prisoners to work in his factory. The Jewish prisoners, this is like a safe place for them. And they were even allowed to trade the goods from the factory. They could go outside, sell that stuff. They could get food for it. Um, So then, in the end, Schindler saves at least a 1,000 Jewish workers from his factory. Yeah, this is this is interesting, this number, because I was looking it up later, and the, I think the movie says 1,100, and I'm pretty sure, like, like Wikipedia and other accounts say, like, 1,200. So it was, like, it was funny to me that the movie would, like, underestimate. Yeah, you know? why would they I, round I feel like down. movies tend to, like, over-sensationalize. Um, yeah. So it was, it was interesting that the number might be smaller in the movie than in reality. Yeah, that is surprised by that too and i appreciated how like slow it was it felt like it was giving us like a window into not only like schindler's life but like all the all the various characters lives like slowly unfolding as the also the horrors of like world war ii and the holocaust unfolded um but i think that pace was really good Definitely, and and Spielberg does such a good job of turning just a mundane scene, strictly forgiving plot explanation, and turning it into something humorous. Um, 
and then they uh, there's there's like a couple things during that the uh the liquidation scene of uh Krakow. Oh god, there's a scene where um where there's a, a bunch of Jewish men lined up and they um the uh the Nazi soldier shoots a bullet and it goes through a bunch of them. I thought that was I mean, I I think it was it was just the uh the style Spielberg did it in cuz it's it's kind of like an aerial shot and you actually yeah. see the the girl in red during the scene and then it pans to that ooh that that and the other one was um you s- you see uh a shot of the whole city at night and then you see the the bullets going off flickering in the window going on and off oh, i i felt like that was uh you know, something we'd see in like a Indiana Jones kind of movie or a James Bond kind of thing. Um, it, but oh, I think I see what you're saying. Yeah. It did. It felt like it was taking us out of the humanity of it. Like it yeah. almost it was now more like an action movie. Sure. Or something. Yeah. You know, for to its to that credit, and not necessarily speaking from a film studies perspective, but I will say that like thinking back to the movie now something i also appreciated was like the various to some extent in like showing us violence in the same way could sort of desensitize us to it and that's what happens during action movies right it's like you kind of the gore is such a like staple of what's happening it almost doesn't even register that people are being shot it's not like really a thing that goes through my mind watching an action movie and i will say that like switching up the almost the method by which i'm engaging with the violence kept it like surprising each time like something i had to i couldn't ignore because it was like different than the previous violence that i had witnessed a minute ago um so i will say something about changing up that that style maybe helps helps it stick out each one stick out like i feel like i could remember each of these scenes you're talking about clearly because it they did feel so different yeah that's very true um it, it definitely hammers it home without a doubt you see a lot of this and it's actually pretty wild we don't see um we don't see goot until about an hour into the movie our villain doesn't really show up until an hour in the movie this guy is, uh, well, first of all, Ralph Fiennes uh, does an amazing performance. I guess he looks so similar to the the real person that people who survived these camps and would visit the set got freaked out when they saw Ralph Fiennes because he looked just like him. He even gained 20 pounds. You kind of see that he has a, a gut in the, the scene in the bedroom. And, yeah, uh, he, he's also he's I think he's English, and he does an impeccable German accent. Sounds it sounds completely authentic. Oh yeah, I'm looking at photos of uh, Emin Goeth now, and yeah, they they do look surprisingly similar. I noticed that when he first meets Schindler as well as Stern. 
he gives them a blank stare and says absolutely nothing for like a few seconds and it's just, it's so jarring but it's frightening and then Schindler meets Goot and he extends his hand to, to shake Goot's hand and again we just get that blank stare like oh shit what what's gonna happen here I guess the turning point is where Schindler sees that girl in red obviously interesting how the the films in black and white this girl's wearing red and then later on when um when they're burning bodies Schindler spots this girl again and I think that that was the real turning point is when he saw her body in that pile that's when he realized that what's being done here is completely evil and he he has the power to save people. I mean, also the fact that it seemed like the war was about to end anyways, so he wasn't going to be making much money with his factory if if the war ends. Yeah, I I actually I was really I thought I was very like uh moved by Schindler's flaws and imperfection. Um, like I thought it was a very interesting arc. I, I sort of wish it, there are a couple things about it that felt like a little incongruous or incoherent to me, but I, I did, I did really like that he started as this opportunist, um, and, and just sort of like taking advantage of the situation completely and like his privilege and his like sway in the Nazi party and everything to, um, get by even if he wasn't directly himself like inflicting violence he was still benefiting from it and like fine doing so and and the movie is really like a slow him realizing how not okay he is with it um, um, and, and and that opportunism like to some extent he's a very ambitious person like he he clearly wants to strive for greatness and to like do put his all into whatever he's behind and so it almost feels like at first his he's putting all of his focus behind money um and that's his like his fire is just all going towards that and then at some point it shifts and now like his entire focus is towards like saving human lives and like saving jews um and and that felt like a very interesting twist for like a character who's again opportunistic and ambitious for the ambition to like shift to something very selfless who felt like a moving character arc to me um like he seems like he's a sexist character he seems like in many ways especially at the start of the film he's indifferent to the plight of uh people in general and but in particular jews because they are suffering in the movie um but and also, like, willing to capitalize on that suffering. Like, very willing to capitalize on the suffering. And and it's, I guess what's interesting to me is, is witnessing that transformation. Like, that is a powerful transformation. And, and this is, I guess, maybe how it all connects in my brain. I, I, I'm... I, yeah, I'm just, I'm curious how... 
um, how people's minds change and how they decide they're wrong and decide to act differently. Because um, I, in addition to, of course, like a young generation replacing the next one and, and new thoughts being injected into the world, I, I, I feel like that's an important aspect of, of change. I, maybe, maybe not, but. Yeah, who knows? I, I, yeah, I also, I read that he submitted a, uh, I don't remember, like a sort of claim for reimbursement from some organization in Israel at some point. Like, being like, here's how much money I spent to, to save Jews during the Holocaust. Would you pay me back? <laughs> um, which is, um, which is, I mean, on one level, it's, it feels a little understandable. He, like, did spend legitimately his entire fortune and was essentially broke afterwards. Um, uh, but it's a very, um, I mean, I think it just goes to, again, like now we're talking about Oscar Schindler, the person, but goes towards him being a flawed hero. Um, Without a doubt. Well, how did you, how did you feel about one of the, like the, sort of that ending, like climactic scene, at least where he's like saying, He's talking about his pin and his car and like, oh, if I'd sold this pin, I could have gotten one more person out. If I'd sold this car, I could have gotten 10 more people out. I felt totally disconnected during that, actually. Like, it felt like too dramatic um, at, at that point. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, it came off as very Hollywood. I mean. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, that that scene didn't happen in real life. In fact, I read that Schindler was actually in prison when the lists were being made. It wasn't even, I, I mean, I'm sure right. the real life Schindler had a big influence on, um, on the lists and everything, but they were actually, there were multiple lists. They were um, put together by uh, different people while Schindler was in prison. It kind of reinforces like what the way I look at this movie. Um, it's like the best Hollywood version of a Holocaust movie you can have for the most part. If it was in the hands of another director, that I feel like that scene would certainly not be in there. This was during a time where the 1980s, you had a lot of happy endings. Movie studios often suggested, hey, you know, you got to have a happy ending here. Like, you got to have this powerful scene at the end, whatever. Um, so, I I mean, I think Spielberg was just trying to make a very accurate, well, not too accurate, but faithful to the book at least, but do it in, um, in a three-act Hollywood structure kind of mm. way. I mean, they're speaking English throughout the movie. They they wouldn't be a lot. The, and the reason he did that, I guess, I, I read that he w he wanted people not to be reading subtitles throughout the movie. He wanted them to to pay attention to um, the things that were going on screen. I one scene that people really seem not to like is um, when the the Jewish women are about to go into what we think is uh, the gas chamber 
when it when it turns out that's just a shower. I mean, there's there's a scene like a half an hour before that one where they're laying in their bunks talking about how oh I heard they're they're putting people into gas chambers, and then one of them jokes like. I mean, how would we know if they're doing that? Like, who would pass on that information if they die? What What's kind of the point of the scene? It, it seems like the point is that it's suspenseful, that you think, oh, these people are about to get gassed, and it ends up being a shower. It's, it's like playing with the audience, drifting away from the stuff that really happened. Well, that's 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 interesting that that's what people would criticize about it because this is um i first of all i would say that i when i watched it before i knew any of the what i'm about to tell you about it but when i just watched it it was a gripping scene for me like there was something about the like both the futility and the relief and the just the also just like the powerlessness of it all it could have been a gas chamber but it wasn't like it clearly wasn't up to like I don't know how to say this, just like it wasn't up to the people who, uh, like, in the story who were experiencing it also wasn't up to the audience or something, like, what was going to happen. Like, I felt right there with them with the just, like, right. uncertainty and the madness of it. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's another instance where he's using the handheld camera and... yeah. It feels like we're we're squished between them all. Yeah, without a doubt, it's. it's... I, I think it was powerful, but but the other thing is what about the accuracy. So there's a um, I read that that um, uh, there's another director, a Slovak director, who yes. made a different Holocaust film, uh, in 1986, 1987, and it's called had, uh, Juraj right Hers. Yeah. yeah. And he had that same scene in his movie and was, was, and I watched, I watched it on YouTube and yeah, it does feel like it was lifted. Like it feels like Spielberg or somebody may have lifted that, um, which sucks. But, but the reason I'm bringing it up is, is also that this director said that he, he had done that scene. He was a Holocaust survivor, that director. Um, and he said that he had, that's something that he had done, uh, that he had experienced rather as a as a young boy um he'd been in these like this room with these uh uh men and there were these pipes and this thing and he didn't know like some men were screaming because they didn't know if it was uh, like a gas chamber or not and they were getting worried um so that seems like it was of all the you know of all of the scenes to point out to maybe be inaccurate apparently that one was based off of somebody's lived experience you know like I, I kind of figured maybe Spielberg might have heard a story of something mm. like that happening because I did end up finding that movie. I saw the the clip of that movie too. It looks very similar. To, yeah. To uh, and in fact, I uh, when I first started watching, I thought it was the scene from Schindler's List, and then I was like, oh no, this is completely different. Very suspenseful scene. Another really suspenseful scene, I gotta say, is when they take out the hinge worker from the factory. He makes a hinge in about a minute, makes it very fast, but then Goot sees his pile. It's a short pile, takes him out. Yeah, he's he's about to get executed, and uh, the gun the gun doesn't work. Um, 
which is interesting because it's not just one gun. It's it's two guns that end up not working. So you think, what is this? I mean, there were guns like Lugers that were unreliable back then that would mess up, but the fact that it's two, that's the odds of it happening are slim. Um, I maybe he's maybe Spielberg was. Uh, trying to indicate that this was like a divine intervention and i think it's one of the most suspenseful scenes especially since the camera's up so close this guy's face yeah you know i what's what's funny is you're describing is extremely suspenseful and i when when it when the scene first started it didn't feel suspenseful at all to me because to some extent the movie had already established like the normalization of like the execution like or just like the offhanded execution that would happen they had already shown at that point i don't even know how many like three to ten ish yeah like times when it just feels like somebody even even in like there's there's not much going on and somebody is just senselessly executed like that had already happened so often that i was just like okay we're just about to see it again right and and so, so to some extent i didn't have suspense i had this just grim certainty and and so instead i just felt really relieved or as as the gun wasn't working i was relieved and then it kept not working and i was just more and more relieved and it was like it just felt really kind <laughs> sort of as a like cuz i was like whoever wrote that into the into it i just feel thankful because just for me emotionally it was really it was really nice to just see it not work like once you know and and i didn't i didn't really read it as divine intervention like i i definitely like obviously there are there are hints of that and the the character that is gets saved is later revealed to be a rabbi um, oh yeah. and right and he's he's leading the hymns later but uh, but i actually just read it as like luck like if anything i i just the, the movie makes life and death at that time feel so arbitrary so very random like who makes it out and who doesn't and why um and and i think i appreciate that i guess grittiness or something like that that feeling that none of the characters were sacred or would necessarily have lived through the whole movie they just did like um like we see the survivors because there's the survivors they survived but not necessarily for a reason like just because like and another another thing about watching uh this movie right now is that it's sort of i i don't know i don't know if you felt this way but throughout the whole movie like like the black lives matter movement feels very relevant to this um like i, I at some point i had the thought during it that um the kind of racism we see secondhand in in Schindler's List, so like is feels very like fast, you know. It feels very like um, it escalates and it's like totally and completely chaotic and crazy for like it just it just goes very hard very fast. Um, um, but it, it made me feel that we have similar issues that in many ways like are like slower sometimes not always but sometimes um like 
yeah, like, like, like police brutality just hasn't um, taken as many lives as quickly. But it's taken a lot of lives. And, and yeah, it's just like a lot more, like when you think about the longevity of the Nazi party, like about, what, 12 years in power, 1933 to 1945. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, if you compare that to like the longevity of... Um, more established racism in the U.S. Like it's it's not that's like hundreds of years potentially. I don't know. I, ju- I guess I just see some parallels. Yeah. I also thought about some, like a paper I wrote in high school. It, I I found out at some point doing it that the Ku Klux Klan membership in the United States at its height, which was around like 1925, was like I I don't remember, I think somewhere between like three and like I want to say three and six percent of the U.S. population at the time. Jesus, that's high. I know. Whereas if you compare that to the Nazi Party membership, to the German population, in 1933, at the beginning and the rise of uh, the Nazi Party to power, um, I looked it up yesterday. It was like, um, I want to say it was like 2 to 3% of the population. I just remember being like struck by that statistic when I realized it. Um, and thinking about, um, I don't know, the fact that we could have had um, an event on par with the rise of the Nazi party and the Holocaust here. And we certainly have had events. I'm not trying to minimize the violent past of the United States. I guess like growing up, especially as like an American Jew, there was this sense of like Nazi Germany was like this evil place or something and america at the same time was like this good place that managed to help undo it and it's just i don't know it's just like a very black and white narrative um yeah it's it's really difficult um i mean this this film inspired a lot of uh holocaust survivors to to tell their stories um like it, it's, it's, I yeah, I really appreciate this movie. I, I guess I, I knew I probably would going into it just because I heard such, um, good thing, good things about it. But it does, it does feel like it puts me into that time period at that time in this chaos and madness. Um, and, and just like a slice of it, like it feels like you're seeing this slice of story play out that was actually just a tiny fragment of all the other stories playing out during World War II. Um, like actually a fragment of all the other stories playing out related to the Holocaust, let alone all the other stories playing out related to World War II. Like especially some historical movies make it feel like the narrative you're watching is the whole thing. Like the world is somehow captured entirely by this. And I think this movie didn't do that. This movie, it really did feel like it was just capturing one, like, again, small fragment of what was happening. Um, but in a way that also gave you a picture of the larger world outside of it, too. Yeah, this is this is just really one, one story. It's really focusing on uh, the story of uh, Schindler saving his factory workers yeah i if i had one 
important like one meaningful criticism about the movie that i was like man that just was kind of silly it would be that it felt like he ascended to like sainthood <laughs> throughout yeah. it and, and, and like again like that last scene of with him where he's like say oh i could have done more and like he's it's like going on and on about it and like sort of wailing and it, it just doesn't it doesn't feel very believable and it also the scene right before that where he's like telling the guards like who are there like oh do you want to i know you've been given orders to shoot the people in this room do you want to like do you want to go home as men or as murderers and they like leave kind of thing and i i don't know it's like i i, I preferred the schindler that was problematic to this one that they were trying to paint as like again like a saint or something um it felt like it watered down the message to some extent because it wasn't about it shouldn't have been about somebody ascending to sainthood it should have been about like a flawed individual doing the right thing yeah um, which and so could that that feels a lot more powerful to me that 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 statement i feel like that was most of the movie except for the last little bit of it was that you know Without a doubt, yeah. So, I I like that that you brought that up. Well, Omri, I know this was a tough one to watch. Really um, appreciate you taking three hours of your life um, to uh, to sit down and and watch something that uh, you know it's some parts are without a doubt hard to hard to look at. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad you invited me onto this. Really appreciate it. Thank you again.